people come into your life for a reason, whether it's for a bad reason or it's a good reason. We're blessed by by those, even those ones that come in for a bad reason, because if we allow it, we can learn something through that and help others because of it. Hi, we are Colleen and Colleen, and we have made it our mission to spread kindness and make everyone feel like they belong. So each week we will share real life stories, motivating insights, and helpful tips that will inspire you to live a kinder, happier life. We believe that together we can make the world a much better place. Are you in? I'm in. Let's do this. Welcome to the You Fit Here podcast. Hi guys, CS here, and I'm riding solo today with a very, very special interview. Um, I get to speak with a new personal hero of mine. Michelle is a keynote speaker and a very compassionate advocate for victims of violent crimes. And I did not learn of her story until recently, thanks to my dear friend Susan, episode 26, um, for the introduction. I was linked to her in a way that I didn't realize and am profoundly grateful for, which we'll get to later. But Michelle is a speaker and she speaks to audiences of influencers, first responders, medical professionals, military and law enforcement personnel, faith communities, and a very broad scope of conferences and events aimed at creating stronger, safer communities. But today I really want to talk about the fact that she is a published author, and she just released her first book. It is called Found, Triumph Over Fear with Grace and Gratitude, which I read cover to cover in one day. I'm so glad I did. I'm so overjoyed to have Michelle here with me on the podcast today. Welcome, Michelle. Oh, thank you so much, Colleen. It's great to be with you. So thank you. So in order to write a book titled Found, you had to have been lost in some sense. I'm assuming that most of our listeners have no idea what you have been through. So can you briefly describe the day and the reason for the book and what it looked like for you and what happened to you? Sure. So thank you. I I will give you this very short version um, as I, I'm hoping that um, people will, this will really drive people to read my book because I wrote it for all kinds of reasons. Um, and I think at one point we're all kind of lost in some situations and we all have a story to tell. But um, September 12th, it actually was a beginning of fall day, um, right before fall, but a beautiful day on September 12th. And I actually was coming home uh, late from work. I had been um, traveling with my job. So I came home late and I walked up to my front door and the next thing you know, I was on the ground. And I actually lifted my head wondering what just happened because I didn't want to believe what had just happened. And I lifted my head to, and this voice came at me that said, if you scream, I will use this as he shoved a gun to my face. So as he, you know, grabbed me off of my porch, um, took my purse and told me not to look at him. He drug me to my backyard and I immediately begged him for my life and said that I wouldn't tell anybody, just take my things. You know, I promise I won't tell anybody. And so as he drug me to my backyard and held the gun to me, I saw four other feet on the ground and there were two other uh, males in my backyard. And what they did was um, proceeded to Uh, put me in the trunk of my car and drive me to a remote area and removed me from the trunk of my car. And, um, you know, in the process of this, they had tied my hands behind my back and blindfolded and gagged me. Um, And I I did get my hands free in the trunk of the car searching for a way out Um, and didn't find a way out. But I, I never forget to tell this because this was the life altering moment for me. I'm a very faithful person. And I prayed to God that for my life to be saved so that I could tell my mom that I loved her. You know, I I didn't get a chance to do that. And just all these things that were going through my mind that I needed just another chance. Um, So I, and at that moment is when the trunk opened and they drug me out of my trunk and took me into a closed in garage and they, Um, ripped off my clothes and they took turns, you know, 
there's nothing subtle that I can say, but no. you know, this word wasn't in my vocabulary, but they all took turns um, raping me and beating me, raping me in every way they could figure out. So, you know, it, it, in order to be here talking to you today, it's more like an out-of-body experience where I was really looking in on that in order to really save, you know, spare my life. Um, but when, so it was hard to really feel what was going on, you know, kind of disassociate from that moment. Um, when they were done, they proceeded to drag me out of the garage and then threw me back into the trunk of my car. And I um, went unconscious. So, and it was, um, I don't know what period of time lapsed, but it was when I heard this different voice and, and when I heard this different voice and it was more stern and just different, I thought I've got nothing to lose. I'm just going to kick on the trunk of my car, no matter, cause I thought this is just all going to keep happening. And when I kicked on the trunk of my car is when this voice came back at me that said, I am, um, detective Arthur Billingsley from the Fort Wayne police department, and I'm going to get you out. So, um, I honestly, you know, I've said this time and time again, it's like this nightmare. And now this dream is seeping into this nightmare and it doesn't feel real. Like, I don't know whether you've ever had nightmares before, but that seems so real. I actually thought that's what it was, that this really isn't real. Like I need to just wake up from this. And, you know, unfortunately I, the realization happened when I, I, you know, when detective Billingsley ended up ultimately, you know, getting my trunk open and our eyes actually met from when he pulled down my back seat um, because he was trying to get to me as soon as possible, but wanted to secure the scene. So, but you know, it's, I tell you that short version, it is when that trunk opened and when I got out of the trunk is when the nightmare really started to begin for me. The rest of your life began. I mean, that, oh my gosh. Um, it was not a hard book to get through because um, it's so impactful, but so just it's, it's so beautifully written. So um, if you if you do get a chance to read the book, she goes into a greater detail, but also just some very 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 explicit details that I just can't imagine having those in in my head and in my mind and. Um, you weren't the only woman. This was a, a, a couple of vicious attacks in central Indiana in 1996, and you were the last victim, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. There were four other women and potentially a fifth one um, through their series of, of crimes that summer. So I will say, I, I appreciate you saying that, you know, that there's more detail in the book and there is more detail and, you know, something about writing a book and, um, I definitely, you know, you can see Emily Sutherland's name. Um, she's my co-author and she was just very, very helpful. And, um, you know, it's hard to put those details in, you know, at, because, you know, my friends are going to read it. My, and that is something that I didn't want to talk about. You know, I, to this day, I'm like, okay, God has this plan for me and he's using me for others to be a voice because I can see how shut down your voice becomes and um, how some senses you kind of blame yourself. But I put some graphic details in and some of the darkness because, and that's why the book is called found because I was ultimately found, um, in, in lots of different ways. And, um, uh, if you don't, if we don't share the details with somebody who's going through something, then that just, that doesn't help them to have a voice in, in this situation. And I also, you know, I, I say if I'm, cause people always ask me to not to get to the ending of it, but you know, if I'm not talking to my kids, why do I expect them to talk to me? You know, it's, and that's like with anybody being vulnerable and sharing, that's where we really can heal is, is through, you know, being vulnerable. And, you know, I thought sharing the details in my book, which there's not all the details, but there's some graphicness in there. And I think it, it had to be, you know, if not, I, why write the book? Right. <sighs> So absolutely. And, and I'm so thankful for you, for your doing that and being so open and willing. And I want to talk a little bit more about speaking and telling your story, but 
I also, you were very open and honest in the book about in the hours after being found, many of the professionals that you encountered, so uh, police, EMTs, doctors, while they were proficient in doing their jobs, didn't necessarily recognize what you needed emotionally right then and there. And I know that this has been a journey for you, but right then and there, you felt so alone. So Mm -hmm. right now, or for a while, you have worked closely with SART, Mm -hmm. Sexual Assault Response Team, which is here in Indiana. Yes? Yes. Yep. What are a few things that you could share with our listeners in hopes of providing a little bit of a better experience for other victims immediately following? I mean, I know that your brain is not even in your brain. I cannot even imagine the trauma, but is there any advice that you would have to someone who might be listening that might Mm -hmm. encounter trauma? Again, love, love that. And and love to share about that. That's one, I didn't know what I needed at that time. However, as I worked through it, um, instead of going under, around and over the pain of what that created, that trauma created, I went through it. And that is very painful to do. I began realizing, and when I first, you know, shared my story for the first time, I began realizing how helpful it was to others. And then I had this drive when I created, I really not created, but I um, initiated our sexual assault response team here in our county um, with it, with the help of the prosecutor. That was really um, a passion of mine to be able to um, educate, if you will, share my story with those first responders so that we as first responders can help those victims in a better um, way in, in giving, instilling them hope. I mean, giving them hope and um, just a voice and to, to just be there. So what I would say to that was, I think one of the biggest things that I realized was sometimes just sitting with somebody and being there, not necessarily saying something because sometimes words are hard to come by, um, really hard to come by. So, you know, just being there and letting them have a moment to breathe, you know, can I just sit here with you, you know, and breathe you know, what is it that you need? Or, you know, sometimes even just saying, I'm so sorry that this happened to you, you know, um, just those very simple things. And it doesn't have to be some grandiose thing. It is just physically being there, you know, and being in their pain with them. That's the biggest gift you can give it somebody, um, you know, and it was when, once I got out of the trunk, I mean, it was just very chaotic. And, you know, it it just seemed like I was on this roller coaster and it just kept going and going and going and going. There was no, you know, no time to breathe, you know, no time to realize that I'm safe and that I'm, you know, somebody has come to save my life. And you know how you want to relish in those special moments in your life. That was a moment that I was saved and I had no time to relish in that moment. Like what is going on? What is happening? Where am I? You know, everybody was just in panic mode and I just needed to be in a place that I knew that I was safe, you know? So. And when you speak about time, you talk about in your book, you talk about how minutes seemed like hours, but it's like time isn't even with you. It's, it's just never ending, but at the same time, Like you said, you can't really just sit in it and realize I'm safe. Right. I just can't imagine going through that. So I know, you know, I love your podcast and that it talks about kindness because that is part of my book as well. And I can tell you that that is what I always tell first responders. They just need somebody to be kind. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to, you know, and they were so um, you know, passionate about doing their job and going to find these guys, you know, cause only one of the guys was apprehended that night was, um, taken in. So there were still two more guys out there. Um, so I know that that they were just doing their job, but, um, if you can give somebody a minute, two minutes of your undivided attention, I mean, totally undivided. We live in a very busy world right now, um, especially now. And we make these lists and we have a thousand things to do. The best gift you can give somebody is your undivided attention and being present because 
I know from my experience, I knew when somebody wasn't present and I didn't want anything to really do with them. You know, I, I was not important to them and, um, I needed somebody who was, you know, so I, I did lose some friends throughout, throughout my healing. And, um, I got to realize a lot. I got to realize how important kindness is because everybody's walking around with a story and we're in, you know, people are in deep pain. And sometimes that pain comes out as being, you know, people deem it as uncooperative or they're not very nice, or so I'm going to treat them the same way. If they're not nice to me, then I'm not going to be nice to them. That is the total opposite of what we should be thinking about. We should be thinking about, you know, paying the other, maybe, maybe that person that you're going through the drive-through is having a bad day. That's, that's serving you. And they're maybe not so kind. What does it hurt to be kind back to them? It will change their life. Right. I've, I've seen many circumstances that that's happened in my life that I've just been nice back and how that changes their demeanor and changes their whole, um, you know, position. So it can be a beautiful healing thing for even yourself. Right. Well, you placed that perfectly because so in the beginning of every chapter of Michelle's book, she leads with a beautiful quotation. And I told her it, it really, I mean, this book, it, it just gave me a whole new perspective. And I thought, oh, I've, I've been there. I have enough perspectives, but it really does. And she began chapter six with this quotation, never underestimate the valuable and important difference you make in every life you touch or the impact you make today has a powerful rippling effect on every tomorrow, Leon Brown. And that brings me to Detective Billingsley. Um, Arthur is his first name, right? Yes. Um, kind of like your guardian angel on earth, so to speak. Yeah. Yes. My hero. Yeah. For life. I, I, I love, I love that you started the chapters with quotes because I love quotes (laughs) so much, but they directly, it's like you wrote the quotes and then the chapter, but really it was someone else's, I, I don't know. It's just so hard to explain, but it's just it really made it so powerful. Um, you talk about how healing is a long and personal story, which I think is so inspirational. It's kind of been my survival guide since losing my sister. Like I'm not in a hurry to grieve the loss of my sister. Um, and you share your story for many reasons, but you state one reason in the book. Do you know what I'm talking about? Would you share the one reason um, that others might understand what is possible. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. I wrote, I wrote the book to um, help people to realize what's possible, you know, in their life. And, and, you know, it, again, you know, I talk, when I talk about the book, when somebody asked me what it's about, you know, I said, it's my personal journey of survival, but, um, and my story, but it's also about kindness. It's about what is possible. It's my faith. It's my faith journey and how I got through that. Um, um, and I was just going to say something else, but, uh, and it, and it's really so that people don't feel so alone. Right. Um, but we can be in the darkest moments and it's about lifting each other up and, not feeling so alone. So it was a book that, that helped me, you know, uh, really know, realize that I wasn't going crazy in this situation that I was in because I hope was not in my vocabulary and hope is love and hope is grace and hope is faith. Hope is God to me. So, um, that's what I wanted to give somebody else. Never, never in a million years, in a bazillion years did I think that I would be writing a book or speaking out about this, but God is using me, you know, in this way. And I'm, you're blessed to be a blessing, you know, and I feel like there's always light in the darkness. If we can open our eyes to see it, you know, if we can allow others in, if we can allow others in because God places people in our life. It's like that bits and pieces at the beginning of my book, how people come into your life for a reason, whether it's for a bad reason or it's a good reason, we're blessed by, by those, even those ones that come in for a bad reason, because if we allow it, we can learn something through that and help others because of it. Oh my gosh. 
I took a screenshot of that excerpt and I am going to keep it forever. I, you said, I couldn't have predicted the horror I would face as a result of that attack, nor could I have predicted the beautiful life that was able to grow out of the ugliest circumstances imaginable. And I think that there are not a whole lot of people who can say, you know, I was abducted and and beaten and raped and found and saved. But um, people, like you said, everybody has their own story. And it's just, I don't know, it's so relatable, even though what you went through is is just uh, horrifically unique. But again, there are people who have gone through similar things and your book would, would really change their worlds. So I hope whoever has gets their hands on it. Um, I also, we uh, did a campaign a year into our business called Let's Redefine Normal. And you talked Mm -hmm. a lot about losing what you knew to be normal and having to grieve everything that you had to change or now afraid to do or lost as a result of the horrible things that happened to you on that horrible day. Um, So grief isn't something that we go through only when we lose a loved one. I think sometimes people think that it's kind of exclusive to that. Um, how did going through the process help in your healing process, the grief, going through grief process? I love that you were talking about this because I actually really loved, I wrote down what you said, you're not in a hurry to grieve. I think that is powerful. So powerful. Um, I was in a hurry to get through that grief because I, when I speak, I did lose my life in that garage that night. I'll never know who I would have been had this, you know, trauma not happened um, to me. I think one of the, I mean, I can say going through the process is so healing. It's so hard, but it's so healing. My question was, I wanted, well, a couple of things. I wanted to be who I was before I was raped, right? And I couldn't, I wasn't giving that up. I, I fought for that person. I kept fighting and fighting and fighting. I wanted that person back. And I had to realize that I had to, I had to let that go. I had to grieve that. Right. I don't think I gave myself enough time, but eventually I did because it took me 10 years really to write this book, you know, write what I wanted it to be. So, which was great, a great healing process. It's going through it. I tried in every way to go around it, over it, under it, instead of through it. And I can just say that that's the best way to do it. It's the hardest, but it's so enriching. And maybe that doesn't sound right, but it really is. I found myself through that grieving process. I found who I want. I wanted to be who I was ultimately. And I got to, I mean, I redefined my boundaries I redefined my relationships um, and who I really was, you know, and that's a gift that a lot of people don't get to experience. So it's when you can see that your life can be better than it was. You know, I had to really see that light and recognize that. And I had a lot of people along the way that supported me through that. I had to let those people in and that's hard to do too. You know, I, I realized one of the things that um, I we kind of laugh a little bit about today, I would say to someone, um, and I'm saying someone because I don't want to spoil some of the things in the book for some people, but I would say, okay, I just need you to sit and listen, right? That's all I need you to do. And within 30 to 60 seconds later, I'm like, why aren't you talking? Like, what what is going on here? You know, um, I'm mad at you. Why, why won't you say something? Well, because you said you just wanted me to listen, you know, so it's really chaotic going through that trauma. And it's, you know, it, it also, it, I took some time to listen to others. And especially now that I know that I needed somebody to listen, how, how important that really is. So that grieving process, yeah, it was, it definitely was a process. And sometimes I even look back and I go, gosh, I wonder who I would have been. And then I go, I don't know that I would have wanted to be that person. Not that I wanted this to happen, but I, you come a long way when you can say that. You know, you come a long way and look at who I have in my life today, the people who 
I get to have in my life, Detective Arthur Billingsley, who I would have never met, who is my brother, you know, <laughs> today. So he, that's the hardest, when I talk about my family and talk about him, that's the emotions coming out of me. And that's the happy part of, um, you know, my experience. So, yeah. I, I love that. And you're talking about people. Have you heard the song by Luke Bryan, Most People Are Good? I might have, but well, so my, um, my three youngest kids, it depends on the day and who who's doing what, but I had the pleasure of driving them this morning to school, just the three of them. And we have carpools and things. And, uh, my son Ryan really loves that song. And so he put it on this playlist and we were talking about the song after we listened to it. Most people are good. Most mamas ought to qualify for sainthood. And it just talks about how there are good people. And you talk about lifelines in your book, which really, oh my gosh, if you're listening, like you have to read the book and I don't want to give away all your lifelines, but I do want to touch, well, I want to, I want, I want to write a poem to Chris, your husband, first of all, but (laughs) I want to... I mean, he's just what an angel. Um, I want to just, if you don't mind, Jocelyn. Mm -hmm. So you had gone through a divorce a couple of years before this happened. um, And Jocelyn helped you get through that divorce, was your therapist, right? Right. Yes. And then after this happened, she stepped up and became a student of sexual assault and learned how to guide you through this process just for you. Just for me. Like most, most people are good. I, I can't, it's so hard today when all these bad things are happening and we're living in this crazy COVID world to remember that inside of us, we all have a beautiful opportunity to, to be there for someone. And I feel like so many people stepped up for you in a way that really helped you grieve and get through that healing process. And I'm not going to, you have to read the book to, to really, um, really understand, but, and it doesn't just have to be people. You mentioned a book, um, experiences and, and just these lifelines, but even after that darkness, those, they helped you breathe new life. And I Mm -hmm. think that's, Do you have anything to add about your lifelines? I do. Well, when you talk about Jocelyn, so I just want to say these aha moments. Um, And everybody says, what was your aha moment? Well, there's really, there's really no, in the healing process, there's several aha moments and you don't even know that they're happening. But I want to say something about Jocelyn because I hope that somebody may attach to this. I carried her number. One of my coworkers gave me your number. My self-esteem was really low. It, it always really had been. And my sister said, you need to go, you know, see somebody because you're a great person, you know, and really trying to lift me up. And so my coworker was telling me about her therapist and I thought, oh, she sounds really nice. And so she gave, I said, why don't you give me your number? I tucked it in my wallet, you know, in those little secret compartments in your wallet, I tucked it away. And I am so thankful for that. I had that number tucked away and I remembered that, you know, and going through my divorce that her number was there. It all happened for a reason, right? That I had her number tucked away and I pulled that out. And yeah, she definitely was a huge, I don't know what I would have done without her. And, you know, years ago when my assault in 1996, I searched for somebody to help me walk through it. And it was really difficult to attach to somebody and to find somebody that, that could do that. Um, and she, I, I thank God for her all the time, um, and still touch base with her. You know, we still have that, um, therapist, you know, and person who goes through that relationship. So I'm, I'm glad that we, you know, didn't break that. And I still have her to turn to, you know, when needed and still it's good to touch base, you know, even when you feel like you're okay, but, through all this process, you know, and I, she knows about my book and, um, it's just good to, to, to keep, you know, in touch to make sure you're healthy in all kinds of ways. So, yeah. And I love this. Most people, I want to just want to say, because I thought the world was bad 
And I thought, I don't want to bring kids into this world after I, you know, knowing that this could happen. Cause we want to believe that please believe it. Most people are good. And that took some working through. I had to change my thinking. You know, I really had to change my thinking because I did think that all people, oh my gosh, there's only a few people that are good. And it's scary to go out when it's dark. And I had to relearn and rethink you know, my, my thought process to, to get through that healing and to be able to go out after dark and all kinds of things that changed in my life. I, I, the running experience really got me. I had to take a very mini break. Um, do you mind if I read, I want to talk about in moving forward and some of the good things that have happened and where you are now, but can I share another excerpt? Sure. Um, Okay. I, I just, this was, I think, right after the lifelines, um, or maybe in that chapter. Moving past the things that have hurt us isn't about denying or forgetting the reality of what has happened. That simply isn't possible. And it isn't about running away from the pain, because our pain comes with us everywhere we go. Getting past the past, for me, became a journey of acceptance that my story was forever changed by trauma but it was still my story, not anyone else's. I could find my voice again when I realized I'd never actually lost it. I simply had to rediscover it. I needed time to relearn how to be me in this new reality. And I I love that, obviously, enough that I plopped it in here, but I feel like you kind of just went over that, but in a different Mm -hmm. way. And I think it's just so important for people to understand we cannot always change. We can't change anything that has happened to us. Um, I'm so thankful for your faith. I, I don't know how I would have gotten through what I've been through without my faith, but I'm just so thankful that you shared all of these things with, with the readers, because I think it's so important to know that, you know, like, I'm not who I was, but that's not, I guess, who God intended for me to be anyway. So here I am and, and you're helping so many people and you are people's lifelines now, which I'm going to get to. Okay. So in moving forward, you and sweet Chris got engaged mm-hmm. and I'm not going to give it away, but just believe me, I'm a total uh, sucker for romance. And so that was just too much for me. I mean- you better believe that I made my husband look at that and he didn't know anything about anything. Um, you shared, you share something very intimate in the book. And I think that that was just one of the most special parts of the book. I was sobbing my eyes out. You guys got married. You honeymooned in Hawaii. You had your first son and named him Christian Arthur after detective Billingsley. Um, And then you had some hardships in between having your son and your daughter, Olivia, um, which if if you care to share about that quickly, you can. And if not, we can move forward. It's up to you. Well, I think, um, yeah, that's a beautiful, that's where I get emotional too, is through that that part of it. Um, Yeah, he's amazing. I'm super duper blessed. Uh, But um, yeah, you think... You know, I think my thought process process was um, also redefined because I thought, okay, this is the only hard thing that I'm ever going to have. Like, this is the ultimate, like, you know, nothing else bad can happen to me this bad. Well, it was a series of events even before my assault. I, do, I say that my life really didn't begin until I was, you know, 1996 and when I met Chris and, you know, all of that. But, um, you know, it's not about... It's not about that something else isn't going to come into your life. It's how you handle it and how you, you know, that's what, what how my faith carries me is I know that something else bad can happen, right? But how it's my choice on how I go through that. And it's my choice to give it to God and say, okay, you've got to carry me through this, right? So I know that because in some of my darkest days, how was I ever going to get out of that, you know? So yeah, even after my assault, we experienced, um, you know, some devastating news of, of, you know, 
a, a miscarriage, not just one, you know? So, and I didn't even realize that I would even have children after everything that had happened to me. It wasn't, it, be, it minimized my dream of that. And now I'm like living this big, huge dream. I mean, it's almost, I have to pinch myself, but um, you know, difficult things can still happen. And um, you know, again, it's, it's about what the last sentence in my book and what it says um, and what it is, there still can be bad things happen, but life is beautiful, you know, and it's how, what we choose, how we choose to live it and how we choose serving is my love. Like, I mean, I just want to serve, you know, I, I just want to serve other people. I want to show other people what's possible through, um, through my darkness, you know, to, to see the light. So yeah, as I've, as I said earlier, but it's not, you know, my husband has helped me see that he has really, he's so grounded. I, um, he's given me a lot that I live my life by too, you know, and it's people who we learn from, you know, and, and just you Colleen and your experience. And, you know, it, it makes me, I feel super blessed that, we're connected in this way, but you are getting something out of my book and your experience was different, you know, than mine and what you are receiving from the book. And, um, you know, and that's what I receive from other books I read too, is other pe people help people, you know, get through things. So people, people do sometimes. And I, I love that you just said that because it's true and we need to be kind to everybody because everybody's fighting a battle. And if our kindness can empower them to maybe turn a frown upside down, I know it's just one thing, but your book, it kind of just brings that out of, of me or whoever reads it. it the acknowledgments, which is the way you begin your book, are so beautifully written and so profoundly moving. I mean, I was like, I don't even know if I can read the book after reading the acknowledgments. But you said one little thing that really resonated with me. Um, I'm a testament that everything that life deals us can ultimately help us become the people we were always meant to be. Which brings me to, well, where is Michelle today? And and you're doing amazing things. I don't think until people hear what you're doing, they'll really understand just how amazing. But um, for 18 years, you you served at Prevail, mm -hmm. uh, which is on the north side of Indianapolis. Prevail, I know firsthand experience is an amazing place. Prevail offers crisis intervention and restorative support services for adult, adolescent, and child survivors of crime and abuse. And um, that is the place where we found our second home after losing my sister and after the boys and my parents witnessed the, if, if you've never tuned in before, well, Hey, um, but my sister was, um, killed in a murder suicide in 2014 and prevail just provided, like you said, with therapy, I would go for counseling and think like, I'm good. And then I'd start talking about what I had for lunch. And I realized I have so much more to talk about, so much more to gain. And I really grew quicker than I anticipated from that horrible experience because of Prevail. So I'm so thankful to, to you for being there for such a long time. And like I said, you have become other people's lifelines. Your story is so full of love. Um. And so at Prevail, you you did some amazing things. And then in 2010, you received, this is so cool, you received the Special Courage Award presented by the U.S. Attorney General and became the first ever recipient of the Distinguished Hoosier Award presented by Indiana Attorney General. That, that doesn't even seem like real awards. Like those are so cool. I I don't think proud is the word, but how deserving are you of those? Um, and then I, I want you to take the floor, but if you wouldn't mind talking about what you do now at the O'Connor House, because I did not know. I've, I know about the O'Connor House. You know, we've dropped things off there before, and I, and I, it's such a great place, but 
if you wouldn't mind just sharing because you yeah, know I would a love lot, to. I would love, love to more about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Prevail is my home away from home, but I did. I got the opportunity to um, serve just in a, a different, maybe a little bit bigger capacity. I'm the executive director at the O'Connor House. It is a home for women who are homeless and pregnant. Um, it's a beautiful faith-based home. We go deep um, with the women. They are there 18 months to, you know, even up to two years, uh, you know, on a program to um, be able to live independently and raise their children in a beautiful manner. And um, that's what we're there for. We're, to, we're there to love on them and serve them and provide them goals and a program so that they can move forward. And, you know, it's... Um, they're homeless for a reason. And a lot of times they've had lots of trauma in their life, you know, growing up. Um, there are so many stories that you can't, you cannot even fathom. Like you think, okay, this is the worst I've heard. And then the next one comes in, you know, to live. And it's just really amazing. The people that, that I serve with are out of this world, just amazing. I don't, I don't even know how to say it, but they are just dedicating their life to helping others. And it's just a beautiful thing to be able to work with like-minded people that want to just help others, you know, and raise them up. And, um, and, and, and it's hard, it's hard. It's really hard work. It's changing, you know, the, the thought process again, you know, from how they grow, grew up or, you know, they think that this is normal. They don't know what normal is, you know, to actually, have a home and food and, you know, somebody being kind and nice to them. Um, so again, we get some pushback because they're not used to that. They're not used. We just want to love on them. And I think that that brings, that brings people a lot. I mean, that just moves people forward is to just take them and love on them as best you can. I'm sure that your job is hard, but I can't imagine a more fulfilling mm -hmm station. I, I, you still speak, right? You still do public speaking and, and you started the speakers bureau at prevail. Yeah. Susan tells me to help other survivors learn how to tell their stories. Some people maybe aren't really fond of publicly speaking or don't think their story is important enough to tell, or don't think it would help anybody. What would you say to someone who has a story, but is afraid to share it. How would you inspire them to share it? I, wow. I, I mean, that's, that's hard, but I always encourage, I mean, through the Speakers Bureau, I've met so many survivors, just amazing. You talk about heroes. They're, they are true heroes. Um, and that's been one of the, my proudest moments is to create that, that space for somebody to utilize their voice. Definitely. It's, I think it's connecting. If they don't want to speak, I never say, you know, this, this may not be for you, but I connect them. Like I connected to the speakers bureau and some people weren't ready to speak, but once they got engaged with other people who thought, yeah, I might want to share my story. It creates just this, um, drive in them too, because once you help one person and you share your story and you realize that you're not alone and then they don't have a voice. It's like, okay, I have to be their voice. Like, I want to be their voice. I can do this. Um, it's about encouraging others, I think. And um, experiencing that affirmation from somebody else is life-changing and life-altering. And when you know you can offer hope to somebody and that it makes a difference, I wanted to give that platform because some people didn't even know where to go, you know, to have that platform. So in creating that, that was one of the best gifts I could have that was a gift for myself. I feel almost selfish because I feel like, wow, to see this unfold is amazing. Amazing to have, and to be allowed to do that was, was really cool. So, and Susan Wagner, she, um, it's so cool because you talk about kind people and here I am, you know, we, that's how, that's how you find these people. Susan led me to you. You're, you know, we're together. It's just, it's, it's, it's great. It's crazy great. Um, so I have her to thank too. She kind of walked alongside of me. I just said, hey, Susan, you want to join me? I knew the right person, who that right person was. And so we really developed it together. And she's been a true gift to do that with. 
So uh, see how people connect you. That's exactly how I got to write this book by three yeah. powerhouse women that brought me together with all of them. I, I'm telling you. Yeah. Just truly uh, amazing. I mean, everybody could write a book. This yes. one though, this one though, it is truly special. Um, okay. So you have a lot of, um, what is it called? Reviews. And I, I read through them before I started reading the book. I always, I have to read the back of a book. If I'm going to, you know, use a credit on Audible, I'm going to make sure that the reviews are really good. And, you know, it's an investment in your time. And reading this book is, was time very, very, very well spent. I, I, I hope everybody will take the time. But um, a woman who lives near me um, said this, Michelle's story will engage you like no other story you have read. Reading found is to live her terrifying and redemptive story. Although my heart broke and I cried as I read the horror and terror Michelle experienced, her undefeatable spirit lifted and inspired me beyond measure. This is a must read for anyone who has faced a tragedy or great challenge in life. Truly an inspiration, an inspirational and unforgettable story. How does that make you feel? I mean, that's just one. There are so many, it, but it's so true. And I reread it because I put it into my show notes and I too, I mean, I cried on and off throughout the whole book, but it was, I, I needed to, I didn't even know I needed to. It like, it, it was just beautiful. Um, so I, how does that make you feel? I'm usually not at a loss for words, but I'm at a loss for words. I mean, it, it means a lot to me. It really means a lot to me. And I think, okay, I have done what I've set out to do is to change somebody's life, you know, ultimately just to spread that kindness and love. And if one word in this book or one sentence in this book changes somebody's life for the better, then that's ultimately what I wanted to do, you know? Yeah. Just be the hands and feet and, and serve. And, you know, like, like people have done for me, I'm just trying to pay it forward. That's all I'm trying to do is to pay it forward. Well, reading your book made me feel proud of a woman I had never met until virtually today and of myself too. I feel like it allowed for more grace, giving myself more grace and it inspires me to want to inspire others to be more gentle with themselves and where they are in their life. And um, I feel like a lot of what I got out of this book will be one of those things I just keep in my pocket or put in my wallet because when you're going through something that feels like I'm never going to get through it, I think it's always nice to remind yourself like what something taught you, if it taught you something as profound as your book taught me. Um, I, I really can't even thank you enough. And um, there's a lot of information about you online, but reading your book, I feel, I just feel like I know so much about you from, from the first chapter and reading about you putting things in your trunk, your grandmother's, um, or was it your, your grandmother's and Ruby? It doesn't, yeah. you have to, yeah. they have to read the yeah. book. They have to read You've the book, it. but just it. the things that sometimes our faith allows us to do. It's just miraculous. And I think that um, parts of your story have like little miracles sprinkled in. And I, you have resources at the bottom of your website, but is there just any, any one place virtually that you would encourage people to go to if they are feeling like they can't come to your speaker's bureau, but they want to share their story? Do you have... I mean, there, there are lots of national resources. Um, you know, I have a good partnership and a good friend at PAVE, um, Promoting Awareness Victim Empowerment. She's just um, amazing, Angela Rose. Uh, she's a national place where people could go to. They're also, those are in the back of my book too. Um, but there's, so she could connect. So that's somebody that can connect. There's also um, Rain that 
can connect people as well to even a speaker's bureau. So, you know, there's Office of Victims of Crime. So there's those national resources that are your, your connectors for things like that. Yeah. And there's always me, you know, to reach awesome. out to me. I have a website and um, I offer. I will share it. I'll sh- if know. that's okay, I'll share yeah, it. Please. Oh, please. Yeah, that's what, it, that's what it's all for. Especially now during these times, you know, where there's not so much face-to-face contact. And, you know, I do... I, I am hoping that I can get out and speak more and I'm not sure what that looks like right now, but there are some things that I'm doing uh, via zoom and different things online. So, um, and all of those are on my Facebook page and um, you know, just love to connect with people. I love to connect with people and love to connect people to other people. You know, Definitely. I think that's where we just find, I don't know. It's, it's a beautiful thing. You don't know what is possible until you do that and ultimately reach out. And that's how I got to this point was through connectedness, you know, <sighs> to Rebecca and Emily Sutherland, my co-author and um, Jenny. I mean, those three. Yeah. So that's how well, I got today. you are the face of possibility. You really are. And um, you don't have to go through something as horrible as what you went through to gain so much just value, just to know your story and um, just to feel kind of close to someone who's gone through something worse and look at look at where you are, look at what you're doing for other people. I just, I too am a woman of faith, great, great faith. And I, I am, I'm just so thankful that I mean, you didn't have to use the gifts God gave you and you are. And so I'm thankful to you for that. And I'm thankful for you coming and talking to me today. I'm not nervous anymore, but I was. <laughs> I was very nervous and I love to talk. So that's kind of a new one for me. Um, but thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. I loved our time together and I look forward to more times with you and staying connected. Yeah, this is this is an awesome platform. So thank you for having, you know, me having this opportunity and just offering this opportunity to others. Um, I love the platform. So it means a lot. And I would love to ask um, if you feel called to write a review on my book, I would absolutely be very grateful and um, it would be helpful to others too. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. And it, it, it's changing lives. You know, I say that, remember, if somebody doesn't come back and say thank you to them, when you go, gosh, I thought I made a difference in that person's life, you may never hear from them, but I will tell you something, you will make an impact on them for the rest of their lives. You know, you do these podcasts, you don't know whose life you're you're changing, but you're changing lives. I mean, you are, and I, I send that message out to everybody. And I say that somebody may not name their son after you, but they're going to remember what you did for them for the rest of their lives. You can impact somebody by a simple word, a simple smile, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, I've learned a lot from my kids too. They are my, you know, I have a few handfuls of heroes, which you probably read about them in my book, but I learned something from my kids every day and to be able to share this experience and for them to carry on this legacy means a lot. That's beautiful. Hi guys. If, if you're tuning in, you guys are some lucky kids to have such an amazing mom. Um, and I mean, just thank you. That was such a beautiful way to end things. You're just so on our, our level in life and, and I'm, I just, I, I just am thankful. I'm thankful too. Thank God you. bless you all. You too. Thank you. Bye.